Country Podcast Edition. I've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you are listening to my boy Michael Knox on Knox Country Podcast. Welcome to the Knox Country Syndicated Radio Show Podcast. I'm here with Luke Laird. I'm looking over his resume here, and I see words like Grammy, ACM, CMA, NSAI, award winner. Welcome to the show, man. Man, I also won Mr. Rebound um, in eighth grade at basketball <laughs> camp. I don't want to, you know, brag. Thanks is that for the, having is me. Is that your most prized award right there? It might be. Yeah. It might be. I bet when you go home on your mantle, you got the Grammy and Rebound Award right well, there beside you know, it. My four-year-old, for about two months, he did have my Rebound Trophy um, and my Grammy in his room. He liked kind of having those in there. So You know what? I, that is awesome <laughs> that your four-year-old is just chilling with your Grammy. It's funny that I still have that trophy. That's what's really funny. It's not broken. <laughs> so when you get that in the mail... Yeah. Is it in a big box, is, or is it overwhelming? Is it like, wow, look at this monster box, and it's like this little bitty Grammy in there? No, it's just in about you know, just big enough to hold the Grammy, and it's uh, just the coolest thing. Uh, is it ground shipping, or do they, you know? <laughs> yeah, is it? You know what? That's a great question. I don't even remember. Yeah, did a guy in a Today. in a brown outfit come to the door and yeah. hand it to you, or was it the lady in the in the jeep? That's. <laughs> It was probably sitting on the porch for about a week, you know. Yeah. I no, I think I was probably, you know, waiting for it. But it, it didn't come as soon as, as I thought. And so I was like... It takes some time. You know, here's the thing, too, about when I won my Grammy, um, I won it as a producer. And, and obviously, that's... I didn't move to town to be a producer. I'm a... Consider myself a songwriter first. So the fact that I won a Grammy as a producer was kind of blew my mind. But And for which project? It was... Uh, Casey Musgrave, same trailer, different mm-hmm. park, and I co-produced it with Casey and Shane McAnally. But it was one of those deals where even when we won it, I didn't know for sure if I really won a Grammy because, you know, there's all these different rules, and, and I, I never could find it quite in print. Did we win one? I mean, I yeah. think we did. Are you nominated? Are you not nominated? Yeah. Who, yeah, yeah. You know, it, was, it was so confusing. And then one, but once it finally came in the mail, I thought, okay, good. Yeah. They spelled yeah. my name right and everything. <laughs> Well, yeah, because um, I've had my name once, like for a Grammy nominated. Yeah, well, it was but, for the album. Yeah. yeah, it was for album. Mm-hmm. But then one year, you know, Jason was nominated for a few things with the songs I produced, and I was like, "Oh my God, we might win a Grammy." They said, "Well, hang on, <laughs> um, you don't actually get nominated, but if he wins, we send you one." And I'm like, "You mean so I don't get to enjoy anything unless I win, and then we can like backdate it?" You know, like no, you don't get a ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. no, let, let me tell you, the only reason I got to go on stage at the Grammys was because Little Big Town um, wasn't using their seats, and they told us, hey, if you guys want to use those seats down on the floor, and then Casey goes, if the album wins, I want you guys to come up with me. For TV, they don't necessarily want, you know, middle-aged bald guy up on TV, <laughs> but she invited us to come up, so really, I would have been probably sitting at a yeah. somewhere next and, door yeah. or, or up in the you know yeah. so again that was one of those i'm like well i'm up here on stage i don't even really know if i won a grammy yeah. but <laughs> well we were sitting up there next to ice yes ice tea and coco yeah coco and we yeah. were up in the second and i told her i said if jason wins this i'm rushing the stage it'll take me six <laughs> minutes to get there and, and and then they go civil wars and we're like were they in the category yeah <laughs> oh man i remember i almost tripped um i almost fell right on steven tyler trying to get out of the aisle he was kind of just relaxing and i thought i look like an idiot right now <laughs> well dude that was an awesome moment i mean especially for me because I've, I've known you for a while you know but i think i was even there when y'all won that year and that and that's an awesome moment to see first timers you oh, know getting up there you know i just because you know the reality is just to who knows if i'll even get ever get to go back so we really enjoyed it and um it, yeah it was it was a really cool moment so you went home and go man this is great here son play with this pretty much <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite like i know all of them are babies sometimes but what's your favorite tune off that record Wh- which one off that record kind of really oh, reflects man. you as a kind of a producer guy you know i one of the ones that i was probably most proud of and just through the writing process to the production was um keep it to yourself and uh i actually just listened to that record again 
two days ago. I hadn't listened to it in a long time, and um, I was I was really proud. I was proud to get to be part of something like that. Like I hope, you know, I know it's still kind of new, but I I'll hope that I'll look back in 20 years and think, wow, this has kind of stood the test of time. But keep it to yourself for sure. I always just really liked that song and was happy to get to be a part of it. So is that a place you're wanting to go into more as production? Because I'm looking and um, you no. got several acts that you're working on. I mean, and you did some stuff on Thomas Rhett too. And was that more yeah. just off the off the songwriter relationship? Yeah, it was. Um, and and to, to be honest, it's it's not something I'm consciously trying to do more of because I kind of know where where my skills lie. To me, it's it's if one of those writing relationships, if it just turns into where we start building the track in the room and it just seems real organic to fit. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a producer in the sense, kind of like you are, where you may hear something and hear a vision for an, you know, a song you didn't write or something like that. For me, it's just kind of all one thing. And if it turns into that, great. But if not, there's you know so yeah. many other great producers like yourself in town who, who I actually get excited to hear how a song comes out that I just was a part of writing. Uh, just a, a writer on it and then you get kind of get to hear hear this whole new life that's brought into it without <laughs> spending the hours in the studio hating the song you know well the main <laughs> one that we share is 1994 with yes. jason i remember you pitching that song oh I remember. over at ascap uh-huh i was like sweating i'm like what am i doing as it was playing across the speakers uh, you know you're you're so self-aware at that moment like was this a, just a big mistake and i remember just jason <laughs> sitting sitting over there and not a whole lot of a rea- reaction either i was just like what am i doing with my life um, but you're then, like I'm gonna try something but then I remember Knox calling me he goes man I think we're gonna have to cut that damn 1994 song I was like, <laughs> well okay. right when you left right when you left Jason's like man I love Joe Diffie <laughs> you know and, and it was funny but but because it was personal to him but then the groove of it and everything was really cool and and it was coming off of, of Dirt Road Anthem you know so he had mm-hmm. already passed that kind of odd left of center kind of song but yeah man I mean and Y'all's demo was very, you know, very programmed, very, very it cool, was. very hip hop, you know. It was. And all we had to do was just kind of organic it up as much as we could without not losing that f- cool factor you yeah. guys had. And I and I'm well aware that it's probably his worst performing song on the charts, but I had a blast. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> on the charts, there's one that beats it. But just <laughs> j- just so you know, that song now when he sings it, it's like a number one in concert. I mean, it that's lights cool. up the whole place. And, and I still have people say, man, I heard that song Jason sang. Of your, yeah. You know, so that's, as a writer, you're it like, was like great. that's like your bad company moment, you know, where, hey. where, where, where years later, the song that was like kind of a, a, a mid-level hit now plays like a number one. Hey, I'll take it. And, and you know what? Like growing up, being in high school in the 90s, that was, every bit of that was, was true as far as, you know, Joe Diffie and all that. So you, I mean, you almost had to cut it. I mean, there was oh, yeah. no way. It was just such, it was just... Well, and you're Jason. You're Jason's age, so Mm -hmm. you've got exactly how to say it. Where he goes, "Hey, I get that. That that will be a black." And the video man was funny as crap. Oh man, you you guys did such a great. Had I known before that that he was such a Tracy Lawrence fan, I probably would have tried to. It probably wouldn't have sang as well, but I've yeah. thought about Tracy. Tracy yeah, just Tracy, a little different. Tracy, no. People would have got confused with Tracy Bird and all kinds of <laughs> I think it was. I, I, I think it all happened right. Is that kind of the only place where we've crossed paths so far? Is I I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe on this new record, we. Yeah. I think one of his songs or something beat yours out for some award or something. Yeah. Out. Yeah. But thanks for know. bringing that up. Oh That's no. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. probably Luke Bryan, not, not Luke Laird. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's look at this man because I was reading this earlier. Um, just so you know, I had to study. I felt like I was in college reading this extensive oh, bio Whoever of your put your bio together, I want to hire them because it makes you it look, made me look so much better than me. And it made me look very bad. He's like, where's my bio and discography? You know what? I, I will say that Beth, my wife, and the people she's hired, she's she's on top of it. Because if it was left up to me, it would just say... No, your wife is amazing. Wrestling yeah. fan. Uh, you know. <laughs> can, can I hire Beth to do my bio? I sure, I mean... <laughs> I'm sure that she could help you out. Well, uh, well, look at this, man. You, un- I know I'm going to read a bunch, but I don't mean to. But undo it, Carrie Underwood, Hillbilly Bone, Blake Shelton, Trace Atkins, Baggage Claim. I love Baggage Claim, my, dude. Probably my, one of my favorite Miranda songs. Oh, Take thanks. a Back Road, Rodney Atkins. Right when you thought he was never around, this thing's like most performed song of the year or something. Yeah. And, you know, a, a little bit stronger, Sarah mm-hmm. Evans, same thing. 
bringing that back that's amazing and drink in my hand probably my favorite eric church tune other than spring sting i love that too well oh i'm sorry but just so you know he opens up every show with drink in my hand oh he does yes i do yeah oh Oh, this show show. oh this show yeah you actually perform it no i'm just kidding yeah yeah yeah. i stand up and 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 (laughs) nobody can see it's radio i want to see that it's radio Hey guys, this is Luke Laird, and you're listening to Knox Country Podcast. But dude, look at these pontoon, 1994 downtown is Shalacy's favorite Lady A tune. Mm-hmm. I mean, sunshine and whiskey. Frankie Ballard, mm-hmm. you saved him after I almost tortured him with with <laughs> oh, my I've, stuff. I've I've destroyed some people too. But American <laughs> Kids, dude, these are huge. And then Talladega. That's Al Dean's favorite, I think. You know, one of his favorite Eric Church's tunes, and um, man, and then Head Over Boots, which is awesome, dude. Thank awesome you. song. Thank you. T-shirt, and then of course Fast by Luke Bryan. Yeah. I mean, those are just things that I pulled off that I listened to. Yeah. And man, it was crazy because I probably listened to more of your rights than probably all my guests. You know, and oh, I thanks. cut a lot of their songs, but I didn't know you wrote a lot of these when I was doing the research on your stuff. Thanks. You know, I I think. One thing that helps with my writing is I am, like, first and foremost, a fan. And I'm a fan of all... I mean, I'm a huge country music fan. But but a fan of the different sides of country music. Everything from super traditional to even the most current stuff. And so I listen to a lot of music. And I think one thing that has helped me kind of be diverse in my writing is, is that. I, I, I'm genuinely a fan of a lot of these new guys and artists so it's it's easy for me to be authentic when i sit in a room with them because i've listened to all their records and it's um it's cool it's, oh man it's you look at this and you're like okay did the same guy write t-shirt you know pontoon 1994 and then head over boots you know i, yeah. I mean it's funny that the same guy can kind of dig into that it's fun you know and, and the other thing about this town too is um it's such a collaborative town uh yeah and, and you know that just working in the studios but i i do write a lot by myself but it's it's about collaboration in in this town and, and for me i i get to work with some of the most talented songwriters i feel like in the world so even on those days where i'm kind of feel like i'm not hitting on all cylinders I, i'm sitting across across the room from somebody who's you know done a lot more than i have uh really a lot of days and so i feel fortunate in that sense well, you've won ACM Songwriter of the Year too. Mm-hmm. You know how was that? I mean, I mean, because that's a big. It, you know, the, it was it was really cool. You know, the thing about that too, they did that award years ago, I guess, um, and then didn't have it for a long time, and they brought it back probably a, two or three years before I won it. So it still felt kind of kind of new. Not that it wasn't a big deal, but then when I see the people that are nominated, I thought man you could really make a case for any of those people on there so the fact that i got to win it one year is you know was really an honor and and you know you're it's voted on by your peers so that of course means a lot oh it's definitely i I was on that committee that year and and i I remember knocked off (laughs) i tried to get in there this guy isn't worthy (laughs) (laughs) but there is a huge likeness for what you do i mean people genuinely like you and and that's a huge testament to kind of because it's hard to be that guy with, with yeah. this much success that everybody goes hey i dig him I, there, there's always you know yeah. the, it's hard to hold that ground well i, I tell, always tell new writers all the time coming into town um i mean this town changes so fast and and there's just so many talented people i mean you you really have to treat people with respect and um and just just kindness because it changes so fast i mean there's Literally, I could go over to Nashville here in Green Hills, and and there could be two Hall of Fame songwriters sitting there. Yeah, and and I may think, oh, I've had all these number ones, but the reality is, there's guys here that have done way more than I'll ever do. And there's also brand new songwriters who are doing stuff that I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. So it's just this town is loaded with talent, and it, there's really no room for for big egos. Well, speaking of that. I know you've won a Grammy. I know you've won ACMs, all these things. But I'm looking at your Triple Play Awards. Mm-hmm. Man, you've you've won that four times. Is that correct? 
I think so. I mean, I mean, I mean that's that's crazy to win that many yeah. singles each year to be able to get a triple play award four times. Yeah, you know that to me that's a huge accomplishment of your work mm-hmm. ethic too. You know of just how you do it. It you know I think that the. I mean, this sounds so cliche, but so much of it is just showing up, you know. And and I've approached my writing, for the most part, pretty much the same since I started. And so much of that is just show up every day and, and have a have a good work work ethic and try not to get distracted about what's happening or what's not happening. And um, you can't you can't make something become a hit song. For me, as a songwriter, all I you know have control over is writing the song that day for the most part i mean yeah. really that's that's how my time and energy is best spent go in there and try to do the best you can then go in and do it the next day and then you know if a, if you get number ones out of it you know it's awesome but we really have no control so for that for something like that to happen it is really cool because again i couldn't have predicted that would happen yeah your company creative nation yes how did that start? Just tell us a little bit about how that started and what you guys do over there. Sure. So Creative Nation, um, you know, my wife, Beth, and I started that at the end of 2011. And Can either one of y'all fire each other or how does that uh, work? She probably She's has. She's probably the boss. Huh? I, I feel like the paperwork says she has all the power over <laughs> me. So yeah, I would. I'm just like, okay. Uh, I would but, agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> let me just put it this way. Without me, Creative Nation could still run. Without her, it'd be done. <laughs> that's awesome. So, and I, and that's I'm not just saying that to be nice or whatever. But anyways, uh, yeah. So at the end of 2011, uh, we just kind of got talking, and she had worked at she was at BMI, and worked at BMI for five years, and and really enjoyed it over there, and and loved her boss Jody Williams, and I'd been you know just doing what I'm still doing, writing songs, and and had written for major publishers for really I guess it was about 10 years at that point and um, we were just kind of both at a place in our careers where we were like you know what's next and I had always loved her song sense and instinct and it wasn't just because we were dating or married Uh, like I genuinely respected her opinion and thought she had really good ears so um we we had talked with our business manager um, about you know what are we going to do next, and I said I would think it'd be cool if Beth could be kind of my creative person and we could start something. Beth was like, "Well, I can't leave Jody. I'm not. I don't want to do that." I'm like, okay, fine. You know. So basically, she was saying, "No, Luke, I do not want to work with you." Yeah. In capacity. <laughs> no, she really wasn't saying that. But then um, our business manager Kella Stevenson, who's awesome, she said, "Why?" why would you not do that and then she's beth really started thinking actually you know that could be kind of cool it just never even crossed her mind but i was like i think this will be awesome start her own thing so we took what happened was i sold a publishing catalog and with that money we took honestly a really good part of it and just invested it back into ourselves and to start a company um just you know put money into renting a place uh, we had no writers at this point it was me and her and then we had one writer that we knew we were really wanted to work with and that was Barry Dean and uh, fortunately he decided to, to come over with us and and really that's that's what got the company started just started off just you know publishing songs and it's kind of evolved and turned into also a management company now and record label you know the way the music business Mm -hmm. is now things things change and you just kind of it's kind of like it's like a case by case yeah so some people are publishing clients some are management clients some are you know we're putting the records out yeah Yeah. but your career blew up after that Mm -hmm. like you had success yeah but something happened with that kind of jumping off the cliff started having kids huh well <laughs> that, that's true, and, and you know the the main thing for me with starting this company um, for Beth and I both, we didn't want me to take my eye off the ball as a songwriter because look, I I know again where what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, and I'm only good at kind of like one or two things maybe on certain days I'm not <laughs> even good at that, but I'm like I have to stick to writing songs and if i start trying to get into just all this business stuff that's not first of all that's not why i came to nashville and that's not really what's going to benefit our company so beth has really done a great job at you know 
me being able to just go in the studio and write and create and and really we have just an awesome staff of people and and again beth drives that she's you know really almost single-handedly found these people and we um you know we're very fortunate but yes we started having kids too yeah and that'll keep you focused <laughs> but in the world of nashville man what y'all did was really risk oh, a big risk because yeah. typically people said no i'm gonna sell my catalog and sign a ford's deal or no, right. I'm gonna and I'm gonna go to the safe play. Mm-hmm. But man, doing an independent at that time when the market wasn't at at its best. No, you know, here's the thing. I I always will lay out worst case scenarios. I'm like, <laughs> what's the? I go worst thing that can happen. We lose all this money. <laughs> I go. I know you're smart. You can get another job somewhere. I can I can probably find a publishing deal. It might not be a lot of money, but. And I've lived in one bedroom on Music Row before. Yeah. Now, at this point, I'm sure she was looking at me like, that That does sound pretty bad. <laughs> I'm thinking, hey, that's that's worst case. I also lost my license for a year and was riding a bicycle. So, uh, you know. And so once once I do that, I'm like, hey, it's just money. Let's, let's you know, we had a few other companies approach us about, you know, giving us the money and us kind of like being in the Nashville office. But I'm like, if the all these people who to me seem pretty smart are willing to bet on us why don't we just bet on ourselves yeah. and th- and that's what we did and but dude that's huge yeah and you know i will say we didn't have kids at that point and and look i'm not saying we would never take money from somebody or anything like that but at this point where we were in life i'm like let's just go for it and just do it and just double down yeah and that's what we've done but now you own it right and that's great for your future man yeah well and i have to know who handles your christmas gifts every year from your company that person is amazing well let me tell you that um i don't get any gifts are you still in my gifts? we need to i, get I need own. to we need to get to make this. This makes sense why I'm not getting these Aldine cups. <laughs> um, I'll try. We'll work on that this year. Let me tell you, that's going to be most likely uh, between Beth and Kelsey Granda at our office. And let me tell you, they there's a lot of thought that goes into that because I've yeah. already seen some email chains going. What are we going to do for Christmas gifts this year? And this is in August, dude. Epic. This and especially this last year with the fanny packs. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. You know, hey. I got my new balance. You and got a fanny pack, dude. I, I was the you king of the custom. fanny pack. Have you? You need to think about. There's nobody in this market. You need New Balance needs to know that We're you're representing here. We're trying. I want. I want to create the first of a. I want to create the producer. <laughs> the producer series. Lots of support. <laughs> well, dude. Well, let's go back now. Let's take a step back in time. Like first cut first everything sure. that kind of clicked with it where you go oh my god i can do this i yeah. mean where was that i mean because you're you're young now i mean you're al dean's age now and mm-hmm. you've been doing this for over 10 years yeah so you're in your 20s now so what was that thing that just kind of took it all off for you well here's the thing i so i signed my first pub deal when i was 24 um Three years later, I got my first cut that actually came out, and it was a it was an album cut on Leon Womack, and, and I'll never forget it because I wrote this song with uh, two great writers here in town, Bill Luther and Hillary Lindsay, and to get that opportunity to work with them was it was a big deal for someone like me who didn't have anything going on. The funny thing about that song is it was a song called Painless, and uh, we heard we got the cut. So on the demo. Bill was singing the lead. Hillary's doing this super cool background part. So we get a call from Byron Gallimore's office um, to tell us they'd cut the song, and they said Leanne was wondering if Luke would come sing the background. Well, I'm thinking I had I wasn't even singing on that demo, and first of all, I cannot sing like either of those people. <laughs> and I said, "Oh man, I'm I'm really honored, but just so you know, that's not me singing on there. I'm glad you cut the song, but you probably want Bill or Hillary's, and and so." Um, the girl who called from Byron's office said, okay, well, let me let them know and I'll call you back. Call back. They're like, no, Leanne really wants you to come in. Well, what had happened is she had had a couple of my other demos, a few songs I'd written by myself. And for whatever reason, and look, I know I'm not the best singer, but she said she liked my voice. Okay. This is one of, to me, one of country music's greatest singers. So I drive out to, in my old S10 to Byron's to Byron's studio at his house just ner- super nervous it's my first cut and here I'm gonna sing the one part background 
which by the way i haven't been hired since to sing on <laughs> sing backgrounds it's when i get hired it's for gang vocals or beatbox <laughs> So I get to this really nice studio. Um, I still had hair. I kind of looked good back then. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I get in there. And fortunately, again, I didn't know what key it was in. I hadn't heard it. Uh, it was in the same key as the demo, thank God. So I'm kind of practicing. That's courage, dude. I'm practicing on the way out there. <laughs> I get to the studio. Byron's there. Leanne's there. I go in and s- sing the one part I know. And I thought, when I left there, I go, oh, man, I probably really screwed this up. But they were like, good job, you know, all that. I'm just waiting to hear the cut. I'm, I'm like, I'm sure they replaced it with Greg Barnhill or something, which I wouldn't have been offended. I was excited. So I'm living in Murfreesboro at this point. I go over to Walmart the day the album comes out, go in there, buy the CD, and, and her album, the album was called There's More Where That Came From. And on the back of that um, package, they actually listed the writers, which usually that's inside on the jacket, but it was kind of like this old school look. And so to see my name on there, I was just like, it was just such a surreal thing. Yeah. And now I'm like, now I'm going to hear if I'm singing on it. Um, and I put it in and I kept my voice on there and everything. And it was just one of those moments. I'm calling my parents. I'm like, I can't believe this. You know, <laughs> this is just, it was for a first cut, it was just one of the coolest moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put it out on vinyl and she signed me a copy. And so it was a really cool, it was, an, it was never a hit or anything, but that was probably yeah. the, the moment where i thought wow maybe i can do this yeah but what motivation too oh you know for all that to happen and you said i was with the company three years and had nothing going on yes who does that anymore no one who who lets somebody grow for three years anymore it, it's it's so so rare and it's it's unfortunate but um you know the, those guys over there uh karen conrad ron stuvey um Chris Oglesby, they they believed in me and um, they they stuck with me. And then I didn't have my first hit until two years after that. Yeah, and what was that? So small with Carrie Underwood. And that's what's so cool, man. About your path, man, was a very long, slow one. Mm-hmm. But when it hit, it was with blue chips. Yeah, I was very fortunate because you know there's so many things to go into making a song a number one song but obviously a lot of times your odds are better if you're on a with a superstar and so for me to get the opportunity to write with carrie before her second record which her first album sold like seven million so i'm still kind of a new guy and i got in there without having any hits and we ended up writing two hits um on that record it, it was there was a great opportunity for me and and i'm feel very fortunate that i didn't screw it up yeah (laughs) knox country podcast edition some of you know me as a record producer for acts like jason aldean and thomas red others know me as the son of rock and roll legend buddy knox party doll fame back in 1957 i'm michael knox welcome to my world you're listening to knox country podcast Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida Georgia Line. Hey, this is Little Big Town. And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox Country. Welcome back to the Knox Country Podcast. Now, what what is your history? Like, I mean, were you, did you always know you wanted to do this? Or, I mean, did you come from a musical family? Um, so, I didn't come from a musical family, but I always loved music. Uh, from the time I was a kid, uh, I started my parents you know i give a lot of the credit to them because they recognized my interest and even though they they didn't do music i asked my mom i go why did you get me piano lessons like before i was in kindergarten she goes well every sunday after church you'd want it you'd go up front and want to start banging on the piano thought well maybe he's interested in music so they found a high school kid who played by ear to come show me some chords you know and this is before i was in in school and then in first grade I said I want to play guitar and so my dad knew a secretary at the church this this woman who was kind of like an old hippie had hair down to her (laughs) knees the only person he knew that played guitar so I'd go go over to her house and she had cats up on the couch and everything and she'd (laughs) teaching me these chords you know old folk songs from the time I learned chords on guitar I just started making songs up at the time it wasn't necessarily like they were had this great structure but i was basically writing choruses from the time i was in elementary school till you know and then once i was in high school the reality hit like 
we I visited Nashville and saw a show at the Bluebird, and I was like, that is what I want to do. Like, I, I could see it like, that. oh, this could actually be a potential career. Now, are your kids showing any interest? They're foreign, too, so it's still hard. I mean, they do love music as far as they like to dance or whatever, but they're not, um, I can't tell yet, you know, yeah. I don't yeah. know yet. I mean, they don't have perfect pitch or anything. I, <laughs> <laughs> when they scream, it's like, oh, you're not, it's, you're not signing them, them yet. <laughs> no, I, they got to prove something to me. No. But, awesome. I mean, but your laid back demeanor, yeah. you know, is, is a testament to your success, I believe. I mean, you can walk yeah. in a room and be laid back and, and pick the best out of what's going on in that room. Yeah. And to me, that's a talent all by itself because our town is very aggressive, very sure. competitive, very yep. um, um, gossipy. It, yeah, and and to walk into a room and just say, hey, man, let's make the best out of this. Yeah. That, uh, that, that's what I love about you because wow. I've known you a long time. And you. everywhere you go, man, you're smiling and having <laughs> a good moment. Thank you. And you I'm know, jealous of that. Well, here, here's the thing, too. And, and with my writing, you know, again, it's a lot of collaboration. I, I feel like so so much of my success has come from not having to be the, the man, you know, not having yeah. to be the one. Like, I, I do like to come in prepared with ideas and be confident in what I do. But a lot of that confidence is also knowing when to just sit back and not say anything and let the artist you know yeah. tell you what they want not like hey buddy here's how you do a hit um so many times i've seen it work out well when i'm when i can just you know be a good listener and then and try to help you know help lift lift that person up um and here's the thing i am competitive you know um but i i'm also i've done it long enough where i feel confident enough in my ability to not have to always prove it yeah now do you prefer when when you go in for a write do you prefer to write to tracks or you know do you like piano do you like guitar what do you like to do as a writer um it just depends it, it, it really does i a lot of times have tracks started but a lot of times it's just a guitar you know um and again, it depends on who I'm working with. Yeah. Some people don't want to hear a beat, and you know, and that's fine, because I mean, all my songs, you know, early on were just me and a guitar, so I'm fine with going that route. But if things are kind of stalling, and I'm like, we need, we need to get a little energy in here. I'll, I've got hundreds of like eight bar things started, that just you never know what day you'll use use something. So it really, I, I try to keep myself open to to what just that day calls for mm -hmm. well let's talk about a couple of tunes then okay like um pontoon sure pontoon i remember when they did that at the awards i mean it was a it was that a was big a, song an amazing performance too oh you know, man it was awesome so how did that how did that right come out because i know them guys we sure they were signed back at warner chapel with us back in the day and they were trying to do a pop thing at yeah. one time you know and we they were the abba of right. country music you know and, they, and then they did that incredible first album so to me, yeah. pontoon was the thing that really elevated them yeah. to a monster place all of a sudden. Well, you know, the thing I didn't know, that was like their 16th th single, and yeah. it was their first number one. I mean, I just assumed Boondocks or something like But I wrote that with uh, Barry Dean and Natalie Hemby, two of my best friends. And, you know, it was one of those, the, the crazy story about that is Natalie and I had written a song for Miranda Lambert, um, that Miranda cut called Fine Tune, and it was an album cut. Um, I can't remember what which album it was on, but at the time, Natalie's publisher heard when we, when we turned that demo in, heard it through the wall, and came over and said to Natalie, "What was that song?" She goes, "What? I think it was saying Pontoon." Said that to her, so she comes over, tells me and Barry this story, and we're like, gosh we should write a song called pontoon it literally came from somebody mishearing fine tune yeah. which is on miranda's record mm -hmm. so we're like that's that's just funny like that word <laughs> i grew up in and i where i grew up in northwestern pennsylvania um it was a town called conniet lake so it was around a lake i saw a lot of pontoon but i'm like man this is yeah this we could write this for the people because i i can go go there what a heart. fun lyric and so literally i just started just a groove like it just kind of had like a, a funny thing sound just the the name pontoon so i just started playing this chord and just doing like a and we just literally the demo was 
that little beat and like a telecast like two telecasters that was it and natalie's amazing vocal which helps a lot so we write this song we we're having a blast writing it it's just we're cracking up and a lot of times when you're in the room and and that happens i mean it doesn't guarantee something's a hit but you know there's something to it because if it's making us feel like this maybe it'll so we start pitching that song and um we got you know everybody seemed to like it but everybody's like that's just it's just a little too quirky or whatever which i actually i understand that like i can i i get it you know if i was an artist i'm like what was that what i want to bet my career on right there but i remember kicks brooks liked it dirks for a minute had it on hold you know and then all of a sudden beth actually pitched it to uh, little big towns management and we heard they were kind of doing a new thing but they really loved it and i was like awesome somebody likes it yeah you know at the time they weren't it wasn't like kenny chesney likes it you're it's like kind of a an act you know that was kind of trying to find their way and everything just kind of connected they started working with jay joyce at that time yeah jay called me to come in and play guitar on the tracking session he wanted me to play just what i did on the demo so they had already been rehearsing so i go in there bring my guitar my mexican telecaster (laughs) sit down (laughs) plug it in and and put the headphones on and you know they're in there and what i'm hearing through the headphones i'm like this is a record like it was amazing because they had it all dialed in i didn't even know what the intro was going to be or anything and i just started playing along i'm like oh my gosh i left there and i told barry i called my co-writers i was like i haven't never heard anything like this it is awesome if if i said i think if it gets a shot it could be big oh it was huge so who um who came up with the main line of the song motorboating you know, I'm probably, probably going to have to say that was probably Natalie, just because she's got a dirty mind. So. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. All right, let's talk about American Kids with Kenny Chesney. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was kind of the same deal. I mean, that was that was something that really. I mean, Kenny's Kenny, yeah. but that really did a, a chart thing for him. I mean, yeah, that really got him back as a as hey man, I'm and I think that album you know sold a, you know a huge amount when it first came out, all yeah. based on those songs, but. I love American Kids. Oh, man, thank you. The thing about Kenny, I feel like part of the reason he's had such a phenomenal career, just when you think, oh, well, he's kind of peaked, he's so good at finding songs, and he'll find find that song. And he's a great writer, too, yep. but, it, but he's still open to finding outside songs. So that song, um, I wrote it with Rodney Clawson and Shane McAnally, and we'd been working on on a different song that day, and I think we all kind of knew it's just it wasn't doing it. So we kind of switched gears. Now, we didn't have that title or anything, um, and I just picked up a bass and just started playing that kind of that, and then just build a little beat with a little stomp clap. And, and and we liked that feel like it was feeling good and then we were talking about where we, the different towns we grew up in and i had an hour and a half school bus ride to school when i was growing up wow. so we start this first line you know about the yellow school bus and then they're telling different things i remember going to my grandma's house um in sixth grade she lived in town so she had cable tv <laughs> and so if i got went over there i could get i could get mtv you know calling 1-800-DIAL-MTV or whatever and so that's where the MTV on the RCA. And we just, all these just little true yeah. things. Um, an, another line in that, that that I connected with from where I grew up, my babysitter growing up was um, this lady who lived on a farm. and Her husband was a farmer there, and they had, they had those old bug zappers um, out by the barn and in the garage and everything. So that's where, you know, the blue bug zapper light mm-hmm. came from. And just these just these real things. So anyways, yeah. we're writing this song like, this sounds awesome. It feels good. The chorus, we don't have the, the final, like the hook. What, did, what are we talking about here? And we're trying to rhyme kiss, you know, baby, come give me a kiss. And wh- what's it going to be? Like kids. And I'm like, okay, ki- kids is kind of cool, but it could turn into cheese real quick. So like... And I honestly, it wasn't me. I can't remember if it was Rodney or Shane said American Kids. And I was like, I just wrote that down. I was like, man, that's just that title just looks awesome. And so we wrote that song and and I felt very confident in that song. We finished. I thought, man, somebody's going to love this. And and it took it took a little bit. Um, People just it was on hold for McGraw for a minute. Little Big Town had it on hold for a minute. Um, 
and then Shane played it for Kenny and, and Kenny immediately was like I will cut yeah. that song but the magic to that song it's like three songs yeah you got it's, the verse you got this course and then you got this thing at the end of the course yeah you know that just goes somewhere else, little pink house yeah I mean and, and, and that's the brilliance to that song right was that third thing you popped in there right when you right when you think this is the course yeah and it ta- and that that's what makes the difference in a song that that's a hit and a song that lasts yeah you know that's a great point but but I love that little last twist that y'all put in there because that, that all you. I mean, all that stuff at the end of the course is made it addicting to me. Thanks. And and but that's the ADD songwriting. Oh yeah, Whitney. <laughs> we just we just you know try try everything. You know, it's like B, country BGS or something. Like let's just keep writing <laughs> choruses. You know. Now, do you beatbox? I do. Yeah. I, I was thinking. Give about, us a little flavor. I, I literally started a playlist on Spotify because I have a song out right now that that's um a carly pierce song called hide the wine and i'm beatboxing at the beginning of it i didn't produce it but uh mike busby did but he was asking if he could use it i was like yeah and so it's like (laughs) and i started thinking you know what i've had like four or five different songs on the radio i didn't even think of this till yesterday that have used my beatboxing (laughs) so i started a playlist called like songs i've beatboxed to because there's a song Blake Shelton cut called Gunna. At the beginning of that, if you listen, you'll hear beatbox track. Um, Hillbilly Bone. Yeah. Uh, Hide the Wine. And then there's, oh, there's a new song that I co-wrote for Jake Owen called Down to the Honky Tonk. At the beginning of that one, it's like, so if you go in there and listen, I was like, I, we have to find a space on Aldine's album for this. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, we no, will. I'd, I'd you should have signed the card as a background no sign. Joke. No, I should have. Yeah. But, <laughs> You know, I don't want to be too greedy. You got kids to feed. Yes, yeah, that's true. I'm, that's a good point. I'm going to go over to Union after this. Hey, guys, it's Shalacy. Check us out on the web at KnoxCountry360.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnoxCountry360. Now, one of my favorite Miranda Lambert songs you wrote, Baggage Claim, mm-hmm. the, the, what I love about that is the groove. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a serious attitude, and yeah. she's probably the only female artist that probably could have pulled that off right. the way it was pulled off. Sure. And so, kind of tell me a little bit about that. I, I don't even know who you wrote that with. I wrote that with with Natalie Hemby and Miranda. And Natalie and I actually started that song. I think had like a a verse and kind of the chorus mapped out, but I didn't even program a beat for that. It was just on guitar, just a and just that stringy thing was yeah. kind of that groove. Um, and man, then that—that's. Are you playing that on the on the final record? No, I didn't. Play I mean, because that attitude is so tough. Yeah, I, they did the production on that is awesome. Those those guys did a great job. But yeah, we started that and um, and took the idea to Miranda, and she loved it, and she ended up recording it. And I I remember thinking, okay, she's recorded this, you know, and probably a month has gone by had gone by and i don't like to bug artists like are you cutting my song you you know i don't i don't don't ever want to be that guy where like they see you coming like oh gosh he's gonna wear me out again but i really wanted to know if she was if if it was what was happening with it so beth and i were at the airport and i had her take a picture of me by the baggage claim (laughs) sign and all i did was i just i went like this i like pointed at it (laughs) and i just texted that picture to miranda i didn't say like is it still making the record and just to see what she would say and she responded oh it came out awesome i got all this information yeah oh cool oh oh cool that's that's cool yeah 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 yeah. then you blow off like oh oh yeah no oh thanks for telling me you know (laughs) i mean another miranda song it's one of my favorites and i don't know what it is something about this song just really got to me smoking and drinking yeah gosh is that your life story i mean (sighs) no but there's just something about about 10 years ago (laughs) something about that song man you know we i wrote that with with shane mcanally and natalie again um and that started it's kind of funny how that turned into kind of this nostalgic thing because i was kind of joking i i pull it pull it into our office one day when we were up there on westwood um Mm -hmm and pull my phone out and I just heard this in my head smoking and drinking smoking and drink and so I went inside and recorded that into Logic just that part and 
I was like, I don't know what this is, guys, but there's something. And they liked it. And then I started just... Then it turned into kind of more of a serious thing, which I thought was cool because at that point, like, what's it gonna, I'm not going to get a Snoop Dogg cut. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we turned it into this this other thing. And then the demo, I, it sounds way different than what the cut of that sounds. But I was always proud of that song. It's it. I don't when I heard it, there was just something it gets you in your soul. Yeah, just it just has. I think it just has that nostalgia, and it reminds me of growing up. Mm-hmm. And, so you're like the Beastie Boys of country. <laughs> Just, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, you also have another huge one well, that, well, that we like to play a lot too, man, is, is the Lady A song, um, Downtown. Is that another? That's my favorite lady. It sounds like you guys need to get Natalie on here because these oh. are, which I, no, this is awesome. We actually just wrote yesterday because these are all songs I've written with her. Um yeah, downtown. That song started with just a, a a little track. I had a beat in that in that dun dun, 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 dun. and um, I played that for Shane and Natalie. And uh, I think Natalie had a ti- the title downtown. I could be wrong. It's been a while now, but we had that. That was a case. I didn't know after we wrote that even who to pitch that to. I, I think we thought maybe Miranda or whatever. Yeah. Natalie was having a lot of success with her, but then, what's so obvious when you hear them sing it, you're like, they yeah, owned it. You know, they they totally owned it, and it was. Um, that's been my only Lady A hit, but really? I'm I'm proud of it. <laughs> that's yeah, I love that. Well, song. that's a big song. I mean, yeah. big song, and we crank that all the time. Thank you for doing that. All right, we got to talk about going to the next generation of the Thomas Retts of the world. <laughs> Now, T-shirt, you know, all the young artists that I bump into or young songwriters that pitch me songs, that's the one that they always pull off the record. Even before, you know, uh, even before it was what it is, Mm -hmm. they would always be like, well, that T-shirt song's awesome. That (laughs) T-shirt song's awesome. They would all pull that one out. I mean, is that with your same writing crew? That's that's with um, a a variation of of the crew, Uh, Shane, uh, Ashley, this is terrible because I start forgetting. Like, who did I write? Th- <laughs> it was with Shane McAnally and Ashley Gorley. I actually texted one of those guys once, and I can't remember what the song was. But I'm like, "Man, congrats on our single!" And they're like, "I didn't write that with you." <laughs> Damn it. What? Why? What is wrong with me? But you, you do all these different combinations, yeah. and some are the same and different. And I, I write with a lot of different people, and I write with new people all the time. But, but anyways, t-shirt, which, which says a lot about you that you're still willing to write with new. Oh, absolutely. New writers. I feel like they have so there's so much more to offer than even I do a lot of times because you know music is a a young man's game and I I love hearing (laughs) what new the new thing Um, but t-shirt was one of those Thomas Rhett put that song on hold I mean first of all he heard it like right after his album was done Um, the first album and it was it was too late you know he goes man if you guys would just let me hold that I will cut that and you know that that's that's hard but he's still yeah. a new artist and so i think i think we said maybe you know if if nobody else wants to you know we'll, we'll remind you about it or whatever but literally next record came around and he cut it he's like i love that song so much he didn't get sick of it listening to the demo and then it was a you know whatever single it was late in the record it may have been the last single i don't know but um that that song kind of had a a long journey uh you know re- relatively speaking well i'm looking at you and you're wearing your wf t- mm-hmm. sweatshirt wwf baby is that the um that's just know. where my heart lies you know did you if I, I grew up with that if i had the you know the uh, physique for it i probably <laughs> would have done that so were you a, the were you the rock generation or were uh, you honestly i i watched i liked it before that um because I grew up, UF, I grew up, yeah. No, go UWF. Ahead. Do you remember with like Terry Taylor? Oh, and, you, you're getting regional. Um, yeah, <laughs> he was my man. He had a good head of hair. <laughs> yeah, Terry Taylor uh, was my man. <laughs> I grew up with Tojo Yamamoto. Oh, yeah, Jackie Fargo, Ted DiBiase. Um, oh man, before he was the Million Dollar Man. So, so mine was, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania, it was it was pretty much like WWF. Like once Vince McMahon blew it up. Yeah. Um, your listeners will all want to hear about this um <laughs> but honestly like hulk hogan like mm-hmm. w- when he made wrestlemania one was like my when i was in first grade and i just was obsessed with wrestling for a good five or six years and so when you saw rocky three 
and Hulk Hogan's jumping on that. I was like, that was my introduction to Hulk there yeah. because we were coming off another generation of wrestlers, right? You know, it's you know the funny thing about wrestling, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I, I think that had that thing that made me a dreamer. You know, like yeah. when you're a kid, it's like kids are into superheroes or whatever. That's kind of what it was for me, and so I'll still always have this kind of soft spot in my heart for like eight nineteen eighties professional wrestling because. It just like some made something in me feel alive. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wanted to be it. Miss Elizabeth. Remember oh, Miss Elizabeth Macho Man's? Yes. She like, she was so classy. Well, my generation <laughs> grew up with Evil Knievel being our superhero. Yeah, you know, and Barry G- Dean actually in his writer room has an awesome huge poster of Evil Knievel. I got one in my man cave that he signed for me when I was seven no years way. old. You know, and I met him, got a little Polaroid with him. I'm wearing a whole white outfit with a cane. <laughs> And it's Evil Knievel, That's and he says, awesome. Happy Landings. Oh, <laughs> Evil. man. That's so cool. But that's so my. Cool. But I grew up on all that mess, too, man, and, and that's cool. But I got 10 years on you, and it's funny because a, a lot of your habits or, or, or passions are throwbacks. They and are, you yeah. hear that in your music, too, which is great. Yeah, it's, it's true. I don't think about that. I think a lot of us, you know, music people and songwriters, it's, you always have that like just that nostalgia or like that thing that makes you feel young and you know we're really blessed in what we get to do because when you get to do this you know as a job make music you're kind of it's kind of like you're always 15 in your bedroom you know getting to come into a studio or make up make up songs and we don't have to put a suit on every day i mean there's I, I tr- I'm trying to ride this thing out as long as I can. <laughs> well, it's well you sound like you have the right team surrounding I, you. I do. So if it goes south, that's going to be my own fault. It's your fault. Okay. Now we know. <laughs> well, Luke Laird, thank you for being here, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm a huge fan of a lot of your songs, not just some, a lot of them. But I appreciate you being here. Man, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Knox Country. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Knox Country Podcast. Special thanks go out to co-host Mr. Lacey Griffin and producer Donnie Walker. See you next time. You've entered Knox Country Outtakes. What do I have here? You have to some do liners. some liners. Yeah, hey, like, let me pee real quick. Right? Oh, yeah. Gonna, it's going to be like, <laughs> it's gonna okay, be what <laughs> Oh, my neck. Oh, my neck. My back in my neck. Hey, this is Luke Laird, and you're listening to American. Okay, we're gonna keep that. No, yeah. is, was there a song that we didn't talk about that you? Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready to go. That... Hey, mo- hey, mother. This Thank is Luke you. Laird, and you're listening to Pond. <laughs> hey, all you can piece of it. You. Okay, just cut me off. Let's do that again. Knox Country. Podcast edition.